a solution to clear-cutting forests for paper, a big win for building contractors who want to build with hemp, Alabama using cannabis in their continued efforts to control women's bodies, and much more on this episode. My name's Matt. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to my channel. This is episode 13 of Matt Talks Hemp. I've got a packed episode for you, so let's jump into it. For this first segment, we have an article from the Hemp Gazette titled, U.S. Navy Advises Pepsi Hemp Drink Off-Limits. So this is referring to the Rockstar energy drink called Unplugged that has hemp oil in it. It recently launched in the United States. I did a segment on it a few weeks back. It doesn't have any CBD. There's no other cannabinoids. It's just hemp oil. It's not psychoactive. It won't make you fail a drug test. But every branch of the federal government has a very strict policy uh, that all products that are derived from hemp, regardless of what it is, is off-limits. So while it's funny to see the U.S. Navy put out a press release calling out this specific product, I'm sure Pepsi is actually happy about it because it's just more attention that this product launch is getting in the U.S. For this second segment, if you're watching, we have a picture of a beautiful hemp lime home that's actually located in Western Mass. But if you're just listening, this topic is about hemp lime insulation being added to the International Residential Code list of approved building materials. So before this, one of the major barriers to getting a hemp lime home built or insulated, I should say, was that local building code enforcement was not familiar with the material and they were hesitant in some places to approve plans that included hemp lime as an insulation. So the U.S. Hemp Building Association has been working on this for a long time. They finally got that approval earlier this month. So this should eliminate some of the red tape uh, for building contractors who want to use hemp lime as an insulation in their homes in the United States, which is awesome to see. Uh, this is definitely something that is going to allow for the continued growth of the hemp lime building industry in the U.S. For the third segment, we have an article from High Times titled, Hemp Paper Could Be the Future of Printing. A hybrid hemp tree-free paper suitable for book publishing is to be premiered at the London Book Fair. So I actually got to see this paper in person at NOCO in Colorado a couple weeks ago. It is used in Marin Kring's new book, H's for Hemp. And it's essentially like a hemp encyclopedia uh, with some incredible photography in it as well. So Marin traveled the world for five years doing research, talking to the experts in the hemp industry, and specifically in the context of climate change a lot of the time. When she spoke at NOCO, she said one of the most difficult aspects of getting the book finished was finding commercial-grade paper to be used. If you want thick hemp paperboard, that's pretty easy to find. There's several different companies, even in the United States, that are making great paperboard made out of hemp. But when it comes to that commercial thin paper that's used in books, no one was making it. So she partnered with a German paper company called Hennemule. They made it happen, and now they're making it available to anyone else who wants to use it in their books. And this is incredible because there's no reason that we should be cutting down forests. Like old-growth forests, rainforests are getting chopped down to make paper, to farm animals. Those are two segments that hemp can really disrupt as long as acreage grown of hemp and processing infrastructure expand quickly, uh, which I think they will over the next 5-10 years. So I'm expecting to see a lot more hemp paper in the future. But shout out to Marin Krings and Hennemule for leading the way here. For the fourth segment today, we have an article headlined, House to Vote on Cannabis Research Bill on Monday. And if you've watched some of my past episodes a couple weeks ago, the Senate passed their own research bill, basically just to streamline research approvals around cannabis, which is great. I love to see this. I think there needs to be a lot more research into the plant and its potential benefits. But there's a little bit of political theater going on with these two different bills. Apparently, if the House passes this one, then they'll look to unify them to send one to the president. I think something that would be much easier than all of these cannabis reform bills that are that are floating around right now would be to just someone introduce a bill, 
where the only aspect of the bill is to deschedule cannabis. It should not be a schedule one substance. If it got descheduled or even rescheduled, it would eliminate a lot of these problems. It would make research easier, lending and borrowing much easier. Profitability would go up because 280E tax implications are not applicable anymore. Overnight, it would solve a lot of the problems. Uh, and then we can work on more complicated bills going forward. But just right now, I really just want to see cannabis not be a schedule one substance. For the fifth segment today, we have an article headlined, Cleveland officials file motions to expunge 4,000 cannabis convictions. So minor misdemeanor cannabis possession crimes under 200 grams are being wiped from people's records. This is going to make their lives easier when it comes to getting an apartment or getting a new job and things like that. So this is great to see. It was a follow-up from an ordinance that was approved in 2020. So it took them a couple of years to figure it out, but 4,000 people's records are getting cleaned. Love to see it. For the sixth segment today, we have an article headline, Legalization 2.0, Massachusetts Senate Approves Overhaul of Cannabis Laws. So these are going to be the first major changes that happened to the cannabis regulations in mass since adult use sales started in 2018. Uh, some of the things that it's going to reform are the rules around community host agreements. Uh, there's been some local communities that have taken advantage of the way that those rules are set up. Uh, essentially, any cannabis operator needs the approval from the local town before they can get their license. In some extreme situations, there's been companies that have really been taken advantage of by local um, government officials before, like in order to get these licenses. So that's really good to see that that's getting some reform. It's also clearing a path for cannabis consumption lounges or cafes. And it's also going to create a fund and streamline the process for social equity applicants to get licensed and acquire funding. So those are all great things to see. Uh, and it's cool just to see the market after four years, they're able, they're able to look back and say, hey, these are some of the things that we could have done better. And they're looking to change those aspects of the regulations. For segment seven, we have the most ridiculous segment today. And the headline is Alabama legislation would require women of childbearing age to acquire a negative pregnancy test to purchase medical cannabis. So these old white guys in Alabama have a history of uh, doing as much as they can to control women's bodies. And it seems like they're just looking at setting up cannabis regulation as an opportunity to continue those efforts. I will often compare the way that cannabis is regulated to the way that alcohol is regulated because I think they should be regulated fairly similarly. Uh, there's nowhere that requires a negative pregnancy test to buy alcohol. We should not be doing this for cannabis. Uh, it's alarming and kind of just scary that this passed seven to two in the committee. Um, I, I'm not saying that cannabis consumption while pregnant is good or bad. I have no opinion on that. All I'm saying is that this is strictly a constitutional overreach in my opinion. I'm hoping that this doesn't end up getting approved and passed into law, but it's Alabama. So who knows for the eighth segment today, we have an article from the New York post headline, unlicensed cannabis dispensaries growing like weeds in Manhattan. And so this article specifically, I'll put a link uh, in the comments, but the business owner is very open. He's saying they're selling digital content and then gifting cannabis. And so it shows uh, the business. He's operating it out of street lawyer services. His name's Lonnie Bramson and uh, very obviously out in the open promoting his business. New York City has one of the most complex and developed legacy cannabis markets in the world, I would say. Uh, there's been underground speakeasy style dispensaries operating there for years, but now since the adult use legislation passed, these companies are able to be a lot more out in the open because of the gifting guidelines that are in the regulations. Uh, in Massachusetts specifically, 
in that in between time from when adult use uh, was passed and the first licensed sales, there were a lot of farmers markets essentially where you could go and buy cannabis products from legacy operators. There weren't retail stores like with what's happening in New York uh, in DC, like we'll talk about in the next segment, but these farmers markets were happening in multiple different parts of the state every single weekend. And then all of a sudden, November, 2018, licensed operators start selling adult use and all of those events started getting raided by the police and now there's like they don't really happen anymore so i'm kind of expecting something similar to happen in new york city we'll see how it goes it's i think it's a more complex situation in new york you have adult use dispensaries up in upstate new york on native land that are just selling cannabis that i don't think they'll be bothered by state police or or local police Um, but the stuff in manhattan All those companies that are getting licenses in Manhattan, I'm sure are going to give some donations to the police department and to the state and things like that to to get places like this shut down. Uh, That's kind of what happened in Massachusetts. So I'm expecting the same, but we'll see what happens. Sticking on a similar topic for segment nine, we have an article headline, DC Council votes against closing cannabis gifting loophole. So there was an emergency bill that was introduced that would have allowed anyone 21 years or older to self-certify as a medical patient and allow them to shop at the licensed medical dispensaries in D.C. It also would have explicitly banned the gifting of cannabis and imposed heavy fines on any businesses gifting. So it essentially would have legalized cannabis in D.C. for sales, which is something that they haven't set up yet. Similarly to New York, there are many retail stores that are selling one thing and gifting cannabis in DC because they just haven't set up the regulated market for adult use. They've been dragging their feet. It's not a state, so they have to wait on Congress pretty much to to set up the guidelines, which, as we all know, Congress doesn't want to do. So this complex network of these retail stores in DC are all over the place. Uh, it looks like they're not going anywhere, at least in the near future. For the 10th segment, we have an article headline, Pennsylvania Senators to Introduce Legislation to Ban Delta-8 THC. So obviously not a new topic. Delta-8 is all over in the news. But based on what Pennsylvania is doing here is they're going to look to ban Delta-8. I don't know if they're just like not talking to the right people, but Delta-8 is not the only problem. There's Delta-10, there's THCO, there's HHC. There's all these other minor cannabinoids that are playing a similar role uh, in the unregulated market of psychoactive minor cannabinoids that are like finding their way into the market because of the loopholes in the way uh, the Farm Bill of 2018 was written. So unless they put a bill together that specifies total THC content and not just calling out Delta 8, I don't think any of these problems are going to be solved like they're expecting them to be with with legislation. Um, So if anyone uh, from the Pennsylvania government's watching this video, you should probably rethink how you're going to word this bill uh, because you're not going to solve the problem. For segment 11, we have a topic that's been discussed a lot this past week. And the headline of this article is woman dies after eating cannabis gummy sweet. So this 23 year old woman in the UK ordered some gummies with a friend off this illicit operator. They both eat them. They both start to feel sick. They go to the hospital. One of them ends up dying. The dealer gets arrested. Products are confiscated. They're saying that it was gummies with spice in it, like synthetic cannabinoids and not any real um, cannabis products. Who knows what the actual story is, though, because I haven't seen any lab results or anything like that, which I hope come out at some point, Um, because there's been other stories in in different places with fentanyl-laced products, and just who knows what you're getting if it's not tested by a lab. Uh, Just kind of an unfortunate situation here. 
who knows if this woman's death was actually caused by the spice synthetic product, but regardless, just a PSA to make sure any products you're consuming have been lab tested. For the final segment of the day, we have more elementary school students consuming cannabis edibles. Every week, there's more stories. This one, kid brings in some gummies, passes out to 14 other kids. Whether the kid knew it was cannabis and it is not for kids, who knows? The parents of that kid have to deal with the school, have to deal with the parents of all the other kids that their kid gave cannabis products to, potential lawsuits, potential hospital bills. No one wants that. If you're going to consume cannabis edibles, make sure you're doing it in a safe way uh, and putting them away in a place that your kid or animal cannot get to them uh, because it's just another story in Massachusetts, Norwood, similar situation. This situation was at a middle school, so obviously the kids knew what they were. No parent wants to have to deal with this. There was another story of like a veterinary office that's seeing a big uptick in accidental consumption from animals. So just be safe if you have edibles at home. Do it responsibly, please. There it is. That's episode 13 of Matt Talks Hemp. Thank you for sticking around to the end. I greatly appreciate you, all the people consuming this content. If you enjoyed it, please like the video, subscribe to the channel. It'll help me out a lot. And I'll see you next week. Peace out.